Professor Ed Bullimore, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. We're looking at the human dimensions of risk, perception, behaviour and decision making in risk management. Can you tell us a little bit about your presentation? Because it was looking at the brain as a business model. Yeah, so the, the, the analogy that I was trying to make uh, in my talk was that maybe we can think about how the brain is organized in the same way that we might think about how a business uh, could be organized. Uh, so, you know, a business adds value and it tries to control its costs. Uh, and I was making the argument that the brain obviously also adds value in terms of the kind of thinking it does and the cognitive processes it, it uh, delivers. And it's very um, ingeniously constructed. You said it was constructed of networks, didn't you? And, and sort of the, the networks were like a business. Yeah, I think that it's the network organisation gives you diversification of function. So the brain can do many different kinds of processes which depend on somewhat different network architectures. Um, it's set up in a way that allows it to shift rapidly between different kinds of network organisation depending on what kind of cognitive processing it's doing at any given time. And the overall architecture of the brain, the way it's wired, is economical in terms of the, the cost uh, that it takes to build a brain and to run a brain. is not minimised, but it is uh, kept under control uh, so that the, the, the body as a whole doesn't pay any more for the brain's uh, functions than it has to. And, and you did talk about the cost, if you can cost a brain, yeah. and, and you talked about how expensive and, and almost you did a cost-benefit analysis on the brain. Yeah. So I think you can think about the costs as fixed costs and variable costs or marginal costs. So the fixed costs, if you like, are you know, the, 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 what it costs us over the course of uh, you know, 20, 20 years of normal development to grow a brain, uh, and that's uh, obviously a, a huge uh, sunk cost, if you like. And then there are the day-to-day -day metabolic costs of, of actually running a brain, having built it. Um, I made the analogy to a Google server farm. So I think if you think about a sort of a server farm... There's a, there's a big fixed cost there in terms of getting the servers into a building and then there'll be big uh, variable costs day to day in terms of the air conditioning, the electricity to keep it all running. And I think you can think about those two kinds of cost for brain networks as well as for computer networks and perhaps other kind of uh, organisations. And one of the warnings you gave, you said the brain was designed to deliver, you know, it had a diversity of functions, it, it was adaptable, but not to run it into the floor in terms of the cost. That almost sounds like a, a business phrase. Yeah, well, that's right, because if you, if, you, if you were to design a brain and say the only thing that matters is minimising the cost, what you'd end up with as a network would be a very regular lattice-type organisation where you know, particular brain regions or particular brain cells were only connected to the ones that were closest to them in space. That will minimise the cost but you pay a severe penalty for that, which is that the brain network can never really operate as a globally integrated workspace. And that turns out to be an important architecture to support the kind of more problem-solving uh, thinking that the brain can do. So if you drive cost to the floor, you end up with a brain that wouldn't be very good at reasoning, it wouldn't be very good at uh, novelty detection, perhaps finding new solutions to unanticipated problems, uh, all of those sort of higher-order functions that depend on conscious effort um, mean that we have to pay a bit of a premium when it comes to the wiring cost of the brain. 
And, and you did talk about, you know, um, the architect of complexity, someone you said you, you admired and had read re- recently, but managing the risk of change, there was a hierarchy in all of this. Yeah, so that was Herbert Simon, actually, who was, uh, you know, uh, he was originally an economist, and he thought about how systems could, uh, could be best designed to adapt to changing demands, which could be, you know, changing demands for performance, you know, on a minute-by-minute basis, or it could be slower kind of evolutionary pressures. Uh, and the, the conclusion that he came to was that if you want a system uh, to be adaptive or evolvable, it's best if it uh, has some modularity in its organization. If you can break it up into bits uh, almost completely, uh, that allows the system as a whole to evolve more rapidly because you can evolve one bit at a time or you can adapt one bit of the system at a time while retaining you know, the function of the other components of the system. Uh, and that turns out to be very, advantage- very advantageous for the adaptivity of the, the network overall. So the, the Simon insight was that lots of different physical processing systems, information processing systems, are going to have this uh, property. He called it near decomposability. You should nearly be able to pull them apart, but not quite. Uh, and that gives them this, uh, this advantage in terms of rapid adaptivity to change. I'm going to be controversial now by saying we may have all this knowledge of the brain, mm. but isn't it a step too far to compare it to a business model? Because surely how we use our brains, whether they're high-functioning brains, low-functioning brains, whether they're, you know, this small world model you talked right. of, or how, however, but, but clearly it's, it's individual how we as individuals develop our, our brains. You know, these networks can't be applied to business. You know, we, we are, if you like, have free will. Yes, well, I'm not going to. I'm not going to get into the whole free will uh, thing, but I mean, you know, not every business is the same. Of course, you know, different businesses will have different models. They'll have different uh, markets. They'll have different strategies in terms of uh, exploiting those markets. So, I think making the analogy between brains and businesses. I mean, it doesn't rule out individual differences in either brains or or businesses. I think the analogy was, you know, it was it was designed to be a bit provocative and to make. Uh, a connection between uh, the world of neuroscience, which is where I mostly work, and the world of, of business studies and management, which is, I think, the focus of the, of the meeting today. Um, I think it's not a bad analogy. I think it's a sort of it's uh, it's a hypothesis. But if you think about uh, you know some of the kind of pressures on uh, businesses and how they need to adapt, they need to control costs, they need to be uh, adding value. I think these are concepts that. You know, are worth uh, trying in translation uh, when we think about neuroscience. And so, in that in that case, you know, th- this knowledge, and if we're looking at the human dimension of risk, and, and risk is a very important factor in in business today, never more so since you know the markets and the, and the crash and the ups yeah. and downs. But 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 this this can genuinely, if you like, help build a more stable business model. Or is that going too far? Uh, I don't know that uh, we could yet. You know, I don't know that the analogy is secure enough yet that you'd want to take anything out of neuroscience and say, right, that's how I'm going to run my business from now. Uh, it's all too uh, early for that. I, but I think there are uh, ways that you can look at, uh, you know, how the brain does and how the brain is organised as minimising risk. And you know, to go back to the the the, uh, the discussion we were having earlier about Herbert Simon and modularity. I mean the. You know, one of the risks that we face is that 
things change, you know, and the the skills that we had uh, and the ways that we had of interacting with the environment are no longer appropriate because the environment around us has changed in some unpredictable way. Um, that's a big risk, and uh, the brain, like perhaps successful businesses, has a kind of built-in adaptivity. Uh, it's the way the network is organised. Uh, and particularly this sort of the modularity of the network uh, gives it uh, a big advantage in terms of being able to adapt to change. And I think that's an important part of, you know, if you like, the brain's risk man management strategy. Well, I shall go away with that phrase in my brain, the adaptability of, yes. of the brain. Thank you very much indeed, Professor Ed Bullimore, for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today here at the human dimension of risk, perception, behaviour and decision making in risk management. Thank you very much.